Jennifer Polymus from Shalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Central. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the rock and roll. We, I originate from the rock and roll hall of fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North coast. I'm your program host, Greg Reppy. Hey, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you she fit, if you she, or if you see fit to join in the show this evening via the email address, you got a hot take you want to pass along, I'm happy to include it, and this is how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Jam-packed show, as always, coming up in about 12 minutes from now. First timer to the show. What I really like to do, one of the funnest parts, funnest, most funnerest parts of being a host of this show is getting a segment booked with somebody that might not necessarily be like a new and up-and-comer in the grill and barbecue cooker manufacturing sector, but somebody that you see, hell, I've said their name for at least a better part of a year on another sponsor's read, although these guys are not a sponsor of the show, maybe at some point, but not right now. But you get on the website, you start looking around, you see what they have to offer, and you're like, wow, these cookers are really something else. Let's have them on the show. Let's talk about the story, see how they got into it, what separates their cookers from the rest, how they differentiate, all that good stuff. So helping me do that at 914 is Travis McGee from M Grills. That's right. You hear me mention M Grills when I do the Big Papa reads each and every week. So Travis McGee will be joining me in about 12 minutes from now. And then at 9.35, he is a friend of this show. You see him here semi-frequently. He is part of the Wisconsin Barbecue Mafia, a competition promoter slash organizer, obviously a heavily indoctrinated and successful competition cook. Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli will be joining us at 9.35. And then we'll move on to the second hour. And at 10.14, we will talk with the current KCBS Pork Team of the Year. Somebody who has been, as a lot of you have on social media, very vocal about the actual governing body that gave him such the award of uh, Pork Team of the Year for KCBS. Vocal about KCBS, I might add. 
Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted will be joining us at 1014. We got a lot to talk about with him, a recap of last season, a look ahead to 2018 and what he's planning on doing, schedule of events that he'll be attending. And then, of course, we'll get into some of that KCBS talk as well. And then helping me close the show this evening is a first-timer to the show. This past weekend, winning the San Antonio Barbecue Cook-Off in the Open Division on Saturday, I believe. Jay Tinney from Tinney Barbecue will be joining me to recap the big weekend. Special thing that I don't want to ruin right off the bat with Jay, but I'll mention it as we do the introduction with him in about an hour and 25 minutes from now. But something unique happened that I'm sure a lot of you that are familiar with Jay know, but perhaps some of you that aren't as familiar will be introduced to as well. So Travis McGee, Tim Schaap, Brad Leiniger, and Jay Tinney all coming up here on this show. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com if you want to jump in. All right, do me a favor as I ask you each and every week, regardless of the platform that you get your podcasts in, because I'm talking to you podcasters right now, although if you're listening to the show and watching the show live right now and you also subscribe to the show via podcast, please take two seconds out of your time, regardless of the platform that you use, and rate and review the show. One star, five stars, three stars, whatever. I'm happy to read them. I'm happy to get them. It helps produce visibility, more visibility for the show than there already is, which is hard to believe, I'm sure. But I thank you in advance for your help. Continuing to keep with the ongoing theme of this show since its very inception. What is that? The most popular subject on the show is indeed the show itself. Certainly last week, no exception. And it appears that... I don't know if reparations might need to be made, but if I'm wrong or I'm leading out information from a guest that might be considered incorrect, I want to make sure that I am at least calling myself out. Last week, I had Big Green Craig on. He cooks in the Thunderdome, by the way. He was on for the first time, and we talked quite a bit about dry aging, if you would recall that. He was calling out 49 days of dry aging. He finds that to be the best dry age time for him. Now, the following day, I got a good number of emails, mostly from folks who are, believe it or not, dry aging experts. I didn't know there were that many dry aging experts out there, but indeed there were. And they were also butchers. And perhaps that goes hand in hand, dry aging experts and butchers. And they said to a man that the info that Big Green Craig was giving out was bad, like really bad. For instance, I got an email from one gentleman called Walter Apfelbaum. He's the executive butcher at Prime and Proper in Detroit, which is a high-end steakhouse, I believe. And it reads, hey, buddy, so I listened to your show today. This was obviously on a Wednesday. And a great program that you have. Thank you for that. I had a lot of issues with what Craig had to say. I've been dry aging professionally for around 25 years, and everything Craig said was incorrect. He was giving you bad information. For instance, like the fluid out of the cryovag is purge. Excess water, myoglobin, the like. It is not an aging agent, as he had mentioned. He also said that he buys primals which are whole animals. I would imagine he is actually not buying, I'm sorry, he's not buying primals, but instead buying 
subprimals. And no, no one eats the outer bark on a dry-aged piece of meat. It's like shoe leather and can get you sick if consumed. His information gives people like me a bad name and makes my job harder when educating the guests. So I appreciate Walter writing in. Certainly, believe me when I say this, Walter, in no way, my humble opinion, does what anybody say on this show or says on this show in in a way to reflect badly on anybody else. I don't think Craig's information, good, bad, or otherwise, necessarily reflects on what you do and where you do it at, uh, nor does it discount any type of expertise that you have or should it make it any harder to sell. I would imagine that if it's bad information, it would make your job that much easier to sell, but I get it. Bad information is bad information. I am certainly not purporting myself to be any type of dry aging expert. That's why I did the segment with somebody who I thought was an expert. And I'm not saying that Craig necessarily doesn't know what he's talking about, but if I'm getting that many emails to the country who are listing out their qualifications and their professional background, I'm probably going to side with those people because they have the pedigree, they have the experience. So I just wanted to make it a point to talk about that. So if you do have dry aging questions, I will have Walter Apfelbaum on the show here at some point. Uh, Actually, we'll be having Jess Pryles back on the show at some point. She is just finishing up a huge in-depth research paper, I guess, on dry aging as well. So there'll be a lot more dry aging to come, that's for sure. Also, unrelated to that, I need to make a name correction, an error last week. I said that one of the host's names of the best barbecue barbecue show was Yanni. And indeed, that is, is not the case. His name is not Yanni. That was my error. His name is Yoni, not Yanni, who you hear playing in the background. So I'm offering up my humble apologies. I actually don't recall doing it, but nonetheless, I want to make sure that I say names correctly because I know all too well going around with what appears to be a very ho-hum last name is indeed one of the most difficult last names to say. People start throwing letters in and all that other stuff. So uh, Yoni... Not Yanni. Humble apologies here from the Barbecue Central show. Now, it would be way cooler if you were Yanni because then Stover could be like pounding down brisket and sausage links while Yanni was playing the pan flute at Snow's Barbecue or something like that. So, again, not Yanni, Yoni making correction here. And that leads us into the first break. Let me talk to you quickly, folks, about Big Papa Smokers. Your number one source for all your barbecue needs, whether you're in the backyard or a competition pro, Big Papa Smokers has something for you. If you're looking to improve your competition barbecue recipe, Big Papa Smokers has combined forces with fellow rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form the West Coast offense. Over the last few years, the West Coast offense has cornered the market on competitive barbecue and redefined the flavor profiles that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They are also the owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that'll please everyone, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-related sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from their premium selection, 
of rubs and sauces. Big Papa Smokers also offers the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and even offers special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast like me, looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, and we'll talk to them here in just the next segment, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. Not sure what grill you need? You can't go wrong with what's offered on BigPapaSmokers.com. They come with every type of variety and budgetary constraint for the backyard cook. Check out the website today for a full selection. Again, that website is BigPapaSmokers.com. With questions, you can call 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers, plural, BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, we are back with Travis McGee from M Grills. Looking forward to this conversation, I can tell you that. Stick around, we'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue. That's right, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All of Butcher's barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards worldwide. Be the pit master. Be the king of the cul-de-sac your neighborhood. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. ButcherBBQ.com. All right, Central Lights. We love to eat barbecue. We love to grill as well. But to get to the end game of eating, one must cook it here on this show. We love to chat it up with those who manufacture pits and grills. And tonight, we meet the guy responsible for creating one of the most sexiest cookers I've seen in recent memory. That was probably bad English as well. Let's race to the hotline. And welcome from M-Grill, Travis McGee. First time on the show. Trav, how are you, buddy? Yeah, Greg. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Travis. Appreciate you making time for the show. Uh, I guess for the folks who don't know you or maybe aren't as familiar with M-Grill, let's take it back just a half step. Uh, were you brought up around live fire cooking and kind of give us that culinary background uh, that has made Travis McGee who he is? Yeah, my culinary background uh, evolved around my dad in the backyard just grilling up some burgers and stuff. <laughs> we watched the Cowboy games. and <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, my, I'm just a, a typical, just a backyard griller. You know, I really didn't get into smoking anything until, man, I was like, uh, I'm, what, 42 now? So it wasn't even until I was maybe 30 or so, 35 around there, until I even, like, smoked my first brisket. 
So I haven't been around the whole barbecue game. You know, I didn't really grow up around it just besides your typical, you know, backyard grilling. And that's, that's kind of my, you know, so uh, getting my products in the hands of these guys who really, you know, cook on the next level, it just, it blows my mind, you know, the stuff that they're, you know, producing with my products. So, you know, it's a good feeling. So that's an interesting background that you haven't been like steeped in that slow smoke or, or the high heat genre if you will getting it a little bit later in life but that's how it happens for a lot of people as well so it's not that surprising i guess but from a manufacturing standpoint is that something that you have always toiled in are you a a fabricator manufacturer by trade yeah yeah now the manufacturing end uh you know we have a family-owned machine shop and you know we've been uh in business since uh, 1986 and uh we do a lot of really big stuff so we're kind of known, our, our shop is McGee Machine and Manufacturing, and uh, that's where the M and M grills comes from. The stems from McGee, which is my last name. But we do a lot of really big, it's all mills and lays, uh, really, really big stuff. Uh, we do a lot of stuff for the paper, cement, and plastic industries, um, built the base to the world's largest telescope. So wow. we know how to build stuff. We build stuff large. We build it, you know, very tough uh you know very high-end stuff but um really my background goes as far as like my degrees in graphic design so like the photo that you shared you know that's when i was working up at fossil uh like i had i do a lot of multimedia uh video production um a lot of graphic design photography so i do all my own content for m grills um you know it's a it definitely keeps my hands full but um yeah, but getting in there, designing the grills, building them, it's just something that I really wanted to do when I was working at my dad's shop. Um, I said, you know, let's let's start building some barbecue grills. And mainly it was just because I felt like, you know, uh, I I kind of based everything after my style of smoking and grilling. So, you know, I do my charcoal grilling. I do wood-burning smoking. But it was, you know, kind of as far as the market goes, I didn't really see anything out there that kind of fit something that I wanted on my patio. So that's kind of where my grills came from. It's just stuff that I particularly wanted. So we just start building them in the shop and it's just taken off from there. So was it a point of seeing something that was lacking in the cooker industry or perhaps is it a better question to say, did you see a niche that M grills could serve better than what was already on the market? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of both, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like um, my wife also, she was a <laughs> probably just like a, a lot of other guys out there. You know, my wife was, you know, kind of a big push on designing because, you know, my patio, I've always had an offset smoker. I've had a charcoal grill. You know, I've had, uh, you know, some, you know, I've had three or four, you know, grills and smokers on my patio. But, you know, they weren't of all the best quality. They were just, you know, they're kind of your typical big box store stuff. And that's what I've always cooked on. And, you know, and I know when it came to smoking, it was just a nightmare to smoke on some of this stuff, you know, grilled on them, you know, religiously, but smoking was a different game. So and it's funny because it wasn't until I designed, like when I came up with my, the M1, for instance, like when I came out with that grill and started really smoking on it, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is wonderful. You know, smoking so easy. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of, that was kind of like the, how it all stems from. It's just like, you know, I just wanted one grill that, did everything that looked nice on the patio and I didn't want a big offset smoker. You know, I didn't need a lot of space, you know, it's just like a, you know, a a small family 
So that's just I, I wanted one cooker that did everything the way I like to do it, and that's where it all kind of de- developed from. Travis McGee joining me here on the show from M Grills. If you want to check out the website, I'm flashing it up here while we're talking as well. M the letter M like Mike M Grills dot com and you can check that out also on social media m grills texas on the tweeter and m grills underscore texas on the instagram if you want to check out some pictures and see how people are using them travis you have pro series you have texas grills you have portable grills i guess we could kind of take them in reverse order yeah portable grill pretty unique look some would say it really resembles an ammo can of sorts tell us a little bit about that cooker Absolutely. Uh, well, I was going to work one day. Uh, actually, I got to work early one morning. Uh, I, like I do every every morning, I get on the internet and I just start browsing. I start looking around. Uh, I'm really big into social media. So I got on Instagram one day and I saw like somebody posted like a DIY kit for to turn an ammo can into a grill. I was like, man, that's really cool. It's a great idea, but that's not a very good grill. You know, I think the guy was like selling. It was, I think, uh, it looked like the, the grates for it were, uh, it might have been like cut coat hangers or something. And, you know, it had like a template on drilling the holes. I mean, it was, I think the guy was selling this kit for like five or 10 bucks or huh, something like that. Pretty rudimentary. I was like, man, you know, yeah, exactly. And I have a lot of ammo cans in my house. I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's too thin a material. It's going to get super hot. The, the handle on it. It's not going to be comfortable. It's just that got a little flat handle. The latch on it, the way it's designed on an ammo can, the, the latch on the front is big. It's real close to the grill. You're going to burn the you know the crap out of your hands if you actually use this thing as a grill. So literally, I went to the shop and I built the C4, and um, so I made it from the ground up. Uh, you know, we just did it all out of 12 gauge steel. So it's actually it's a lot heavier in person. A lot of people don't realize like. They think it's an ammo can. They'll look at it or an ammo box. They'll look at it, and, you know, I'm at the State Fair of Texas, and people kind of look at it like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Look, I'm going to turn my ammo boxes into that. I was like, well, it's not an ammo box. We build them from the ground up. And I was like, just pick it up. And they're really like, oh, my gosh, okay, yeah, that thing's heavy. And it's like, exactly. Uh, you know, you're not going to just, you know, burn this thing out. It's going to last literally forever. Uh, nice stainless steel, comfortable handle on it. The hinges are stainless steel. Uh, but it was just uh, – it was – uh, inspired by an ammo box. That's that's where it all came from. Are there any vents or dampers at the bottom, or you just kind of cook with it open? That's how the oxygen gets in and away you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. You just cook with it open. When I first started making them, we did two different models. We did one with the holes and one without, just for testing purposes. And I found that they cook the same. As long as you use, like, you know, briquettes, your typical, like, you know, like Kingsford briquettes or any kind of briquettes, really. Uh, they cook the same. They, they they lit up fine. They grilled just perfect. And when I closed up the lids and took, I drove to my house. So by the time I got to my house, the one that had the no holes, it was completely out. I mean, that thing, the whole grill was cold. You could pick it up and put it in my garage. The other one, since it had holes in it, was still smoldering a little bit. And it was still smoking and the charcoal was still burning in it. Yeah. I was like, man, you know, when I was out there cooking on them, they cooked great. So I'm like, I'm going to go without the holes because... You know, it just put the fire out fast. I could put the grill up. It's not going to burn anything, and um, I just feel like it, it works out better. If somebody wanted to put holes in it or somebody requested they'd rather have holes, we could do it. But um, everything I've cooked from using it as a stove, you could take the top grate, put it sideways. You could boil water on it. Uh, you could feed wood in it just for, uh, you know, I've done some cooks where it's a skillet. Uh, it's, it's, 
uh, use them as fire pits as well. I'll use them all the time when we go camping. And after I'm done cooking, we'll throw in a bunch of, of wood and light it up, get a nice fire, and the kids roast marshmallows in it. And um, yeah, we sell a lot of those to like truck drivers. <laughs> believe it or not, uh, I think uh, I think my number one uh, customer on those are truck drivers. We sell a ton to truck drivers uh, and a lot of camping, hunting uh, enthusiasts. But yeah, we we sell quite a bit of those. What's the price point on that, Trev? Yeah, one nineteen is the retail. So it's it's a lot of grill. I mean, it's small, compact, but it's really it's a lot of grill for. I mean, just about a hundred bucks. Uh, it's hard to find anything these days for a hundred bucks that's actually built in, in something that's going to last somebody for, you know, years and years down the road. Uh, so it's it's a really nice little grill. Next up is the Texas Grill again, kind of like that ammo can, very unique in look. Tell us about this style and why you mm-hmm. chose it. That is actually the grill that started it all. Mm-hmm. That grill. 30 years ago, my dad designed that Texas-shaped grill. And uh, when I came back, uh, at the time when I was over there working, uh, doing some multimedia, when I came back uh, to my dad's shop to start the grill business, he was like, hey, let's, uh, how about that Texas grill I made? Um, now he made it 30 years ago. He only made one for himself. Everybody who saw it, they loved it. And so I was like, I got on, I started researching just to make sure nobody else was doing it these days because it's been, you know, it's been so long. So I uh, did a lot of research. We started building them, uh, got a patent on it. And um, yeah, and that's, that's the first grill we started making was the Texas shaped grill. And that actually, that grill is where we realized it's, you know, the whole grill business, you know, it, we had to invest quite a bit into it, uh, into the grill side portion of our shop. You know, we had a lot of the other machinery to do uh, some of the stuff, but especially when it came to, that's when we found out that bending sheet metal for especially a grill uh, and with a thicker steel, you got to be very precise. The precision is just ridiculous uh, to make a lid fit with, you know, to make sure everything's square and yeah. perfect. And there's so many, Oh my gosh. And there's so many bends in a Texas grill, like the top piece that the lid is basically, that's one solid sheet of 10 gauge. The whole bottom of the Texas is another solid sheet of 10 gauge and all the side pieces are laser cut, but with all the bends and for everything to fit up, we realized that that's a hard grill to make. And that's, that's the first one we started. And after, after we started perfecting that, all the other grills that came to follow have been really a piece of cake. But is this the best-selling yeah. grills, or these just kind of the? Would you classify this as the flagship piece? Well, you know, I would say now it seems like the M1 is the yeah. flagship piece. That is the one we sell uh, by far the most of. Um, I say the Texas shape grill is just something that it really didn't even put us on the map. It was it was just kind of like a cool factor. We haven't sold a whole, a whole ton of them. We do sell them occasionally, but not near as much as what we do the Pro Series line. Now we that's our we're building those every day. That's you know uh, all day long. That is all we're pretty much making. And now we've gotten to where the Texas shaped grills are just a special order because we are just too busy building the Pro Series line right now. All right, so let's talk about the Pro Series line. You talk about the M1. There's also the M36, and if I'm not mistaken, an M48 as well, and a B2. Yeah, uh-huh. So uh, let's start right. with that M1. As you said, it's kind of that flagship product. And I think what's unique, I mean, so aesthetically, I think these things are absolutely dynamic, very sexy to look at. Um, I've seen some of the people on the Internet have them, and, 
they're running them or they're breaking them in. They just start using them in the state contest now. I see uh, Poncho and Lefty using yep. the M1 grill as well. Then they just competed there mm-hmm. recently. It's unique Absolutely. in the fact that it is charcoal, and you have that tray with the little uh, hand turner to raise and lower. But then you also have right. like that firebox underneath it. So I'm uh, I'm kind of amazed and shocked and awed all at the same time. Tell me about the cooker. Well, and that's what, and this is it's actually funny because when I designed this cooker, I designed it for myself, and I didn't realize at the time that there was not really another cooker that did this. It was just something that we were actually getting ready for the State Fair of Texas uh, for our very first year. We had of our Texas grills out there, and I was like, you know, I'm going to design my perfect my grill to go in my backyard. And just in case if somebody didn't like the Texas grills, you know, I have this. You know, if, if you like the build quality of the Texas grill, well then, but the Texas isn't your thing, well then check out the M1. Uh, and that's where it all started. But like I, when I cook, I'm all about charcoal grilling, and when I smoke, I'm all about wood or charcoal. You know, I'm all about you know stick burning or strictly or charcoal smoking. So, uh, but I just that was I guess the what I found is I really didn't like some of the uh, I just kind of wanted one all-in-one cooker on my mm-hmm. patio that just did everything. You know, just just one grill that does everything I want, so I, I don't have a lot of clutter and. Uh, and, and it's got to be built, you know, we call it the M1 because it's built like a tank, uh, but it's got to be built very, very well. You know, we make our own grates, and the grates are all, you know, stainless steel. It's all 10-gauge steel. We Nothing on the grills are nickel-plated or, or anything porcelain-coated or nothing. You know, we build them to last. We put a lot of work into them, but, um, but that grill is it, – it's. I didn't realize at the time that there just really wasn't another – fully adjustable charcoal grill that had, I mean, I was sure, uh, very familiar with hasty bakes, mm-hmm. but and it's, and that's probably the number one thing when people look at it, go, oh, it's, it, it looks like a hasty bake. It's like, well, I guess in a form factor, you know, it resembles a hasty bake as sure. far as a traditional looking grill, you know, that you could smoke on. But the difference is, is that firebox, you know, you can use it as a true stick burner or charcoal smoker, like you would an offset smoker. So and, you, you um, could load the wood portion of it up with charcoal, throw some wood chunks on it, and operate it like you would a Weber Smoky Mountain or something along those lines. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Or you could just go strictly wood in it and just use it as a true stick burner, and that's the way I majority of the time that I use it. I, I rarely – I'll probably put a small bit of charcoal on it just to get it going, and then from there, if I'm doing briskets or ribs or whatever – um, I'm strictly just feeding wood, and that's it. Do you know anybody uh, that a lot is? Of people, do you know anybody that's using wood and putting charcoal in charcoal tray at the same time? Oh yeah, and really? that was something that that was something that <laughs> I came across when I talked to uh, Sterling Ball. So so you know who the M1 Sterling uh, with Big Papa Smokers. Right, right. I so when 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 big papa when he he's the first one that kind of saw this on the internet when i first started making that grill and putting out some youtube videos he's the first one that really he called me up he's like i'm really you know he told me he was really intrigued about the grill he wanted to test it out and everything mm-hmm. and uh but when after talking with him he was talking to me about reverse uh reverse searing and such and I, I've never reverse seared anything in my life at the time. I never even heard of it. And this is, that's just, I'm just a regular old bat, you know, I don't really live around the whole, I guess I look at the whole barbecue thing with a, with a different set of eyes. Than, sure. You know, I kind of look at, 
And I think that's, in, in a sense, it's a good thing. But um, when he was talking to me about reverse searing as such, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll try it. So uh, I started at that point loading wood in the firebox while I had charcoal up on the grate. So, you know, in the charcoal grate area, you could do two-zone grilling, of course, but you, you could also have wood burning in your firebox. So you could smoke your steaks with wood but then finish them over with a sear. And he was telling me how wonderful it was on, on the M1. Mm. Uh, and then I started doing it and now it's like, you know, I love it. We've had, uh, um, you know, Rick Davis recently here at the, uh, state cook-off, uh, in Plano. Uh, he had an M1 out there and he was doing that exact same method, burning wood in the firebox, uh, while he had charcoal on the top grate, uh, doing his reverse searing and such. Um, so it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty unique in that sense where I've never had a grill where I was able to do that. No doubt. Sounds incredibly versatile. And as I said, uh, not hard on the eyes either. If you want to find out more about these, you go to mgrills.com. This is Travis McGee, the, uh, the, the founder of the M Grills portion of it, of course, but it's uh, been a longtime family business. If you're interested in these cookers, again, the website mgrills.com. Travis, appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Absolutely. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is. Travis McGee from M Grills. Check out the website, man. These things are... (laughs) Wow. The M1 is great, but you know me. Bigger is better. M48. Let's go. That thing is a beast. I think there's a video on their website of the M48 that is... I mean, you can... The amount of ways you can configure the grill grates. Hey, let's go to Facebook and get a question. Diane, me. Too bad we can't interrupt Greg with five-minute bouts of applause. What are you talking about? Do it right now. No problem. Thank you very much. Uh, She, of course, was talking about the... uh, Okay, all right. She is, of course, talking about the... All right, sit down. State of the Union address. Don't get mixed up in that. You stay right here. Don't you dare leave me for that. Let me guess. You're either going to agree or disagree with what the president has to say. You're either going to like or dislike his ideas. Forget it. Get the cliff notes tomorrow on whatever news program you watch. You'll feel better about it. And you'll get to watch this show because Tim Shop is coming up next. Are you looking to turn up the heat on your barbecue skills this year? Of course. Head on over to the Barbecue Guru. Get your hands on the most high-tech and most advanced ceramic cooker and high-tech barbecue accessory to hit the market. I'm talking about the all-new Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition and CyberQ Cloud Controller. It was launched last year. It's the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic cooker and grill with a built-in power draft fan. It's going to give you the easiest and most successful barbecue experience today. These must-have new products will make barbecuing easier than ever before and will be your new secret weapon for cooking delicious food each and every time. Ready to buy? Yeah. Head on over to bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com and grab them up. If you have any questions about what to order, please call them. Don't guess. No buyer's remorse here. We don't encourage that. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Visit the website, bbqguru.com, and hook up with exactly what you need. Remember, the biggest key to this is if you already have a Barbecue Guru controller, 
and you get the monolith grill, you don't need to buy the CyberQ Cloud in order for it to operate. You just attach the controller that you have and you're off and running. How about that? Now, if you want to upgrade to CyberQ for the technology to say, I have it, maybe you don't, that's certainly your prerogative. But you don't have to if you have a controller already. You just hook it up to the fan and away you go. All right, as I had mentioned, Tim Shop coming up out of the break. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com as well if you've heard of that. John Dawson weighing in. Email, State of the Barbecue Nation. It should be an annual monologue. Do it. Do it. It is right about this time every year, right? It's always on a Tuesday. Elections, always on a Tuesday. Always trying to crowd in on my spot. Quite honestly, I've had enough. Politics are nobody's friend anymore, okay? Oops. Called the wrong guy here. All right, let's do this. My next guest, a championship pitmaster, a contest promoter, and mentor to many new barbecue teams looking to get into the contest scene. Three of his events were just recently given the 2018 Smithfield Grant. Here to talk about the events and what having the grant means is the pitmaster of Tim's Full Belly Deli. He is a friend of the show, Tim Shop. Tim, how are you, buddy? Pretty good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time, as always. It appears uh, from Facebook that we have a number of, uh, is it the Wisconsin Barbecue Mafia? Wisconsin Barbecue Posse. The Wisconsin Barbecue Posse, sorry. Got to get, get the gang right here. My apologies. Um, Tim, let's go ahead and talk about the events, the three events that were given... The Smithfield Grant. Give me the names. Give me the dates. Give me availability for sign-up and how they're doing, all that good stuff. All right, I'll get you close here. May 4th through May 6th, Masters in May in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, July, second week of July, uh, Gold Ribbon Barbecue Fest, the Greater Green Bay. That's also a double. Uh, Best Door Barbecue on Washington Island at the tip of Door County. In the third week of August, all three doubles, all three with Smithfield grants. So, in, in if I'm if my math is correct, this would be six total competitions. Correct. Wow. Now, are these doubles true doubles where you cook one day and then you turn around and cook the next day, or are you yeah, uh, combining them? In? Yeah. You, yeah, you cook Friday, Friday through Saturday, Saturday through Sunday at Masters in May, Friday through Saturday, Saturday through Sunday at Green Bay. At the Washington Island Comp, we cook Thursday through Friday and Friday through Saturday to allow people to get off the island because there's only four ferries. And it, it's pretty well received. I think last year there were over 5,000 people that attended, plus the teams and vendors. 
if somebody's interested in competing in these, are you more or less filled up? Do we have spots available? I mean, I would imagine those August competitions Masters, still might be a little bit. Masters in May is completely filled. We're on a waiting list. We filled that last week. Really? We're more than half. We're more than half full on Green Bay. I don't expect it to go more than fifteen to twenty days. Wow. That's door we're just starting on, but I believe we've got five or ten in there. All these comps are forty-eight teams, and uh, we've tried to make all three comps. They're part of the Wisconsin Triple Crown, which, <clears throat> as long as you do four of the six, your total points are are tallied. At the end of the sixth comp. Your points are totaled for your best four, and the top ten teams throughout the series split another prize pool. Last year it was $6,000. <clears> so basically what you've got is, I believe last year we had 94000 This year it should exceed well over $100,000 for all three weekends. Hmm. From a, a competition standpoint, Tim, are you uh... – is pulling the big names uh, considered correct? I mean, are you attracting a lot of uh, who you would consider to be upper echelon teams to get into Wisconsin, or is that still kind of a, a place that's hard to get to for people? No. Uh, of the top six right now in uh, KCBS, we have all of them except uh, our buddy Sterling and Big Papa Smoker at Masters in May. Darren, Travis, Brad, uh, Tim Shear and Ryan and Kier Murphy from Dirt Road—they're all there. Rod Gray. We don't have any trouble. We don't have any trouble getting the big names. So, what does it take? You know, from somebody that is hands in, waist deep, and making sure that these go off without a hitch, and you're promoting, and you're trying to get people to show up, and encouraging people to show up. What does it? What does it take to make great barbecue competitions anymore? Well, I think first you have to take care of the cook. Second of all, as Darren has said in the past, it's not exactly a spectator sport. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to involve other people and get people interested in the sport, you have to have other things. <clears throat> we have all three of these are associated with charities, large charities. Uh, Masters of May this year will uh, have JDRF, which is Juvenile Diabetes Re Research. Yep and a local homeless connections, which is a food pantry and homeless shelter. We're going to get people involved with uh, the JDRF is going to do face painting and an obstacle course and stuff for kids. We're going to be doing Smithfield demonstrations Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We will have a Smithfield kids queue on Saturday morning. And I've talked to Brad uh, Leininger, Molly's dad, and uh, we're working on having a hour or hour and a half cooking class demo that Molly would put on just for kids. Really? And uh, Greg's all for it. I believe Molly's all for it. Molly will be coming. And uh, we've just got to iron out the details. But we think that's something that will get they get the public involved and, uh, and kids involved. Tim Schaap joining me here on the show. Um, Tim, let's talk a little bit about that Smithfield grant. I mean, obviously, a number of contests went out and applied this year, and they gave out double the amount that they did last year. Three get it uh, for you. You got the Golden Rib, you get Death's Door, and you got Masters of May. Um, all of you, all these three get that Smithfield grant. So, you know, from your perspective, what does that Smithfield grant allow you to do 
And I would assume that it does uh, help in attracting teams to come out and participate in one of the three or all of the three, for crying out loud. Well, definitely. First of all, it attracts the Smithfield teams because they're going to support Smithfield. They sponsor us, and uh, they're, they're doing a hell of a lot for barbecue. And I'll, I'm going to back up a week or two. I understand a lot of people upset with the loss of Sam's. You know, it's a half million dollars worth of revenue for KCBS and, and for us, and it was a great thing. But I think what people fail to see is what's happened in the time Sam's was here. <clears throat> in the meantime, Smithfield, who will probably put in more money than Sam's does, and Smithfield is doing more to help KCBS grow, I believe, than Sam's did. Sam's favored the great cook. You had to be a great cook to get to the end. You got to the end, you went to Bentonville. And it's great. And all of these guys are friends of mine, but if year after year we have Travis, Darren, Tim, Brad, uh, Dirt Road, Big Power, if we have these people there year after year, the sport's going to die. We need to bring in new blood. Our big thing with the Smithfield, with the Smithfield uh, grant, and we started it long before Smithfield came here, we called down to 15 in most comps. We pay down to 10 and, and everything, including overall. And we do this so that we take these teams that are new, which Wisconsin has a lot of, and we get them involved. They get to hear their name called. Maybe they only get a check for $20 and a ribbon. But it gets them involved, and they get the bug. And believe me, we have a lot of them in Wisconsin. We've seen guys go from not getting a call to getting a ribbon and 20 bucks, and six months later pulling in with a 35-foot toy trailer and a $6,000 smoker. Uh, Isn't that the problem, though, Tim? Why is that the problem? Be, if, why if, is it a problem? I, I don't. That just seems like it's six months. That's a huge leap, right? Six thousand dollars smoker that, and a fifty thousand dollars. I agree, it's, but it's a personal choice. But if you're going to build this, and getting back, if you're going to build this, you need to build from the bottom up, not from the top. And Smithfield, part of the grant program is you got to pay deeper. And you got to take care of these teams and help promote barbecue. And, I mean, we do it here in other ways. You, you know about frozen bones and yep. choke the chicken where we, we bring these teams out. They pay 135 bucks. They might walk out of there with $135 in, in door prizes. But <clears throat> we get them in there. They cook with the big guys. And they see that it, it's not as intimidating as it looks on TV. The big guys help them. Uh, they may get their name called, and uh, we had three. We had three teams at Frozen Bones this year that have never cooked in an organized competition. I, I, we had six or seven teams, but three of those teams are going to be cooking now in Wisconsin comps. They're, they're going full bore. They want to go competitive barbecue, and that's the way you got to build this sport. Because the opposite way is to all of the guys at the top just keep fighting amongst each other, and pretty soon we'll all be pulling in there with indie-style uh, Prevost motor coaches and 40-foot <laughs> trailers. Yeah, well, and that's uh, that's very expensive the last time I checked. Uh, we're talking with Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Uh, Tim, uh, anything else as far as the competitions are concerned before I move on to my next topic? Uh, what, what we're going to do is, uh, like I said, Green Bay, I believe, is going to have a kid's queue and uh, live music and some other things. Death's Door. Death's Door is God's country. 
I mean, we have people that come to that Thursday competition the, the Sunday before. Uh, Whitestone beaches, uh, lavender fields, butterfly gardens. It's kind of you get off the boat, they should have a sign there that says turn your watch back 30 years. It's just beautiful. It's an island. It's held at an old airport. Uh, you get a complimentary Friday night fish boil if you like that. Otherwise, you eat brats and hamburgers. But just good, good people. The town treats us like royalty. Uh, it's the biggest thing to happen up there. And like I said, they get 5,000 fans coming out wow. talking to you. It's, it's, it's just a, a great, great competition. Tim, is there something going on with coolers and bannings and boycotts in Wisconsin that we need to address in any form or fashion? Well, we can address it. <clears throat> we'll address it this way. All right. Last year at Masters in May, the uh, reps, the KCBS reps, not the Wisconsin reps, but the KCBS reps, noticed and heard some inklings that there were some judges from out of state that were taking tiny bites off the end of each meat sample. Apparently, the morning, the next morning, before the judges' meeting, for the second comp, these same judges were talking about how they took their meat samples home and fed 10 or 12 people <laughs> who they were staying with in Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, boy. The KCBS reps decided to make it a no-cooler contest the second second day. Good. When they came and asked me what I thought, I said, you know what? I think it's great that you did this. I says, these are some of the things that have to be done, and if you see improprieties amongst the judges, you've got to, you've got to address them, and, and I give you a lot of credit for doing it. <clears throat> well, one rogue judge took this to mean that the Wisconsin Barbecue Posse was going to boycott every contest in the state, <laughs> which makes no sense, that doesn't have a cooler policy. Well, Green Bay does have a cooler policy. They've had it. This judge wrote an email and went after the organizer with everything from you're wasting food to the Bible says. Uh-huh. And the organizer basically told him, we have 48 teams coming, so we need eight cable captains. So we need 56 judges, and we've got over 90, and now it's over 100, that have already are begging to judge the contest. He says, so I really don't care if you don't feel like coming to the contest. Fine. This rogue judge, in turn, apparently wrote an email to over 150 judges in the country. Wow. And wanted to take in the KCBS that this was all wrong. This is not according to KCBS rules. I guess he got a couple followers, but of course, we didn't retaliate. We didn't say anything, but I did get a copy of the email and uh, never said a word. And it grew into him telling people that uh, they want us to eat the whole sample, not just take a bite, and nothing like that was said. I mean, everybody knows who's in competition barbecue. There's no way you could eat all 24 samples. Sure. And not get carried away on a gurney. So, <clears throat> and kind of got blown up. I believe KCBS discussed it, but what it comes down to is it's up to the organizer what he does. The Wisconsin Barbecue Posse doesn't care if they have a cooler policy or not. 
the only thing we ask is that we get a fair sample taken of our, uh, a fair bite taken of our sample. We have tried to bring judges and teams closer together with events. For instance, my events. Um, my wife goes into her pocket every event. Whoever judges our comps, frozen bones, choke the chicken, my wife gives them a $10 gas card. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but here, if you're with your wife and you get 20 bucks, it pays your gas for the round trip to come to the comp, at least, and sure. it's something. Sure. And uh, we plan on doing that kind of thing throughout the comps. Um, the whole thing with the cooler policy, I have no problem if a judge comes to me before and says, hey, you got any barbecue? i got some friends coming home. They can come to my place after my, my site after 1.30, brisket turn-in. My wife will make them a big styrofoam box of barbecue to take home. We have also discussed taking our extra food and building a grazing table for the judges after the comp. We have nothing against a cooler policy. We have nothing against a no-cooler policy. All we're asking for is that uh, uh, it be judged fairly. Well, I mean, that has to be incumbent upon telling the judges, look, if you're coming to a contest, uh, don't come with a cooler mindset that you're going to take the most minuscule of bites and the goal is for you to hoard as much competition barbecue as you possibly can so you can eat it later and hopefully you can discern which barbecue was better than the other with that little bite. If you're a judge, well, exactly, you're there exactly, to judge I mean, the food, I'm, right? Right. I'm a KCBS judge. I went to one of Mike Lake's classes. I have cooked for two other judging classes taught by Dave Lundin, so I've listened to all of it. I don't remember any topic in there about coolers or taking food home. And if you're coming with the mindset of what you're taking home, Wisconsin doesn't want you to come and judge. <laughs> I'm sure, and, I'm sure that's this, a mindset and, of a lot of other places. Greg, it's become very hard for me not to blow up and say something and say this guy's name, but yeah. I'm going to put it to him. I can put it to him this way. I hope he's listening. Yeah, no names, please, as trouble, we say here the on the show. The trouble that he started here, going behind everybody's back, and, and I understand he, he's handicapped and he uses that as a crutch, but going behind everybody's back, sending out these emails instead of addressing everybody, I'll buy him a spare battery for his scooter. I'll meet him anywhere he wants to in public and discuss this problem. If this continues, I can guarantee you the Wisconsin Barbecue Posse will make sure he better have a trailer full of batteries because he'll be going hundreds of miles to judge again. <laughs> wow. Ken Durant. Tim Shop laying it down from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Uh, the three events that we were talking about earlier, the uh, Masters in May, the Gold Ribbon, and Death's Door, all Smithfield Grant recipients. Tim, as always, I appreciate the candor and the insight, and we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There he is, Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Wow. Look out. I, I don't get that at all. Like, if you're going to be... There's a lot of wasted barbecue competitions. I think Tim would be the first one to say it. But, I mean, don't be a judge and show up to eat first. Like, or not eat first and take home. <laughs> That's bizarre. Folks, let me talk to you quickly about the pit barrel cooker. Pulling the trigger on a new one could be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy, who needs the hassle. I strongly suggest the pit barrel cooker... It's very versatile, and that's all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. 
their hook and hang method places food right in the center of the heat. So it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. Result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time in the industry. That is called consistency. Not only is it a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. Built to withstand heat thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel is able to withstand any type of weather condition. Also extremely portable. It fits in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. The pit barrel junior, extremely portable. Of course, barbecue folks love the accessories, right? Pit barrel and the pit barrel junior don't disappoint here either. Rubs, unique rub shakers, removable ash pans, pit grips, cut to fit, charcoal chimneys, turkey hangers, hinge grill grates, skewers, extra hooks, a new uh, bottle opener slash hook holder. Did I mention a coffee mug? Did I mention a beer koozie? The list goes on. For the best part, $2.99, a little less for the Pit Barrel Junior. Both of these come fully assembled, ready to cook on, ships right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but everything they sell ships for free to lower 48. No coupon code, no promo needed. Don't take my word for it. The folks at Amazing Ribs continue to sing the praises, giving it their gold rating. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Call 502-228-1222. That's pitbarrelcooker.com. We're back right after this. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, let's see if we can't uh, hit up some Facebook questions here real quick. Uh, Ron is in. In regards to the State of the Union, it was either watch the train monkey act or listen to the godfather of Wisconsin barbecue posse. Tim won. Congratulations, Tim. Uh, Diane Me weighing in. I don't understand why the judges just don't come around the teams to get the leftover barbecue after they are done judging the contest. I always give meat to the judges when we're done. Perfect sense, right, Diane? Of course. Here's another one coming in from Michael Lee Rosenthal. A judge always welcome to come by my site after we're done and take home some barbecue. Uh huh. Seems to be the common theme. Let's get one more here from Sean McCulligan. Oh my God, are we really at this level of butt hurt? Can't we all get along? I don't know how. I don't understand how people wanting something for nothing or working the system right. And as everybody has said here, Sean, there's a tremendous amount of barbecue that is laying around after turn-ins. You know, a lot of the homeless shelters won't take it or the contest organizers won't allow it because there's food safety concerns, so on and so forth. So, hey, judge, if you're done, hit up the teams. They're ready to give it away. They want you to taste it. Again and again, right? That was Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Again, Masters in May sold out. Gold Ribbon in early July, probably going to sell out here in the next 15 to 20 days. And in August, you have the Death Door Barbecue Competition. Uh, still open there, but that's going to go fast too because of location and teams and all that stuff. All right, we will reload for the second hour. Got some good takes coming up right out of the break. 
your phone, uh, your emails if you want as well, or hit me up on Facebook. I'll mix those in. Stick around. Be right back. from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Here we go. Uh, for the folks that are just tuning in live here on the Facebooks, the YouTubes, uh, also we do stream live the Periscope as well. That used to be just like a Twitter thing at some point, right? I don't know. Anyway, good stuff. Thanks to Steve Ray in the background for screening out and putting up only the most important messages on Facebook. Thank you, Steve. No names, please, up for the second hour. Got another Facebook comment here from Code 3 Spices. We just started carrying Big big Papa Smokers rubs and have been friends with Big Green Craig for years. Great guy for sure. Mark Lambert, sweet swine of mine, is the real deal. We just recently started using his Lil Red Box for some backyard cooks. Puts out some amazing foods. Code 3 Spices, shout out. Right. I don't really like to say shout out, but I said it. Go ahead and uh, frequent Code 3 Spices. They do donate a portion of sales back to uh, first responders and so forth. Still to come on this show tonight, Brad Leiniger from Getting Basted and Jay Tinney from Tinney's Barbecue to recount the big win over at the San Antonio Barbecue Cookoff this past weekend. If I might, I've been reminding you here over the last. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, I've been reminding you here over the last couple weeks about Facebook's new policy on being able to boost and what you see in your feeds and all this stuff trying to be way more friend-centric, whatever that means. So here's what I would like you to do if you could possibly do it. Even do it now while you're watching the show. Open up another web browser tab. Head on over to Facebook if you're not... A fan of the show page, the Barbecue Central Show, just hit up facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. First and foremost, if you don't already, like it. And then right under the graphic, there is a button that says following with a little drop-down menu arrow. Go ahead and hover over that. And then as that develops below, you will see a heading that says, End Your News Feed. 
All you have to do is make sure that that is checked, and then every time you hit the feed going forward, it's going to show all the posts. Well, I guess the better thing is to say every time I put something new in the feed for release and post it, the next time you hit your feed, it'll be right at the top. For instance, you say always show at the top. You forget the show's on live on Tuesday. You get on your Facebook, you hit the feed, and then all of a sudden you'll see the live video up there. You're like, oh, I almost missed the show or missed the first hour. Darn it. Well, I'm, luckily I was reminded that the show's running right now. So that's all you do. Make sure you like the page at BBQ. I'm sorry, uh, Facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. Like it. And then under the graphic, there's the following button. Make sure that in the uh, news feed heading, that, uh, well, okay, hold on a second. Sorry, in the following heading, make sure in the drop down menu, you find in your news feed, make sure that's checked, you know, at the top. So that way you'll get all the latest, greatest information as I do it. And I'm really trying to, to press some more nifty content. If you're following me, you see I'm posting pictures of my Sunday pizza night cook which we did on the Green Mountain Grill. I have a couple more pizzas to post here over the next couple of days. Took a lot of pictures. And I'm trying to ration it out here over the next handful of days and stuff. So I'm trying to use that flash a little bit, get better high-quality pictures. I don't know if you heard or not, but the last NFL football game of this season is coming up on Sunday. First, let me ask you this. Would I really run the risk of getting sued, shut down, cease and desists sent my way if I use the term soup or bowl? Everyone I hear now everywhere, even on way more lame podcasts than this show or internet shows than this show is saying that key phrase, the big game. So in order to stay compliant, I will just say the last game, which will also happen to crown said champion of the 2017 NFL season. However, aside from crowning a champion, it's an official eating holiday, of course. We love that. And what do you think people are going to be eating more than anything else? Folks, grab your seats. Americans are set to eat 1.35 billion chicken wings for Super Bowl. Holy moly. According to the National Chicken Council today, it released its annual chicken wing report. That's a real thing. Which projects Americans' consumption of the unofficial menu staple of Super Bowl Sunday. I said soup or bowl, by the way. That's the chicken wing. The NCCS's 2018 report projects that fans will eat 1.35 billion wings, not pounds, but actual wings during Super Bowl weekend. An all-time high as the Philadelphia Eagles and New England Patriots battle for the Lombardi Trophy. The figure's up 1.5% or 20 million wings from just the year prior. In a quote, there will be no wing shortage, said National Chicken Council spokesman Tom Super. That's funny. 
Whether you're a fan of the left wing or the right wing, there's no debate about America's favorite soup or bowl food, although we don't anticipate an uptick in chicken cheese steaks. To visualize how many wings 1.35 billion are, here are some mental pictures that I could paint for you. If 1.35 billion wings were laid end-to-end along Interstate 95, they would stretch from Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. 250 times! If that isn't enough, 1.35 billion chicken wings is enough to put 600 and 25 individual wings on every seat in all 32 NFL stadiums. That's right, every seat in every NFL stadium getting 625 wings. 1.3 billion, 1.35 billion wings is enough to circle the earth three times. That's 394 million feet of chicken wings. Enough that a chicken could cross the road 13 million times. Americans will eat 20 million more wings this year than they did last year. If wings were dollars, that would buy... I just got lost. I'm sorry. Okay. If wings were dollars, that would only buy us two minutes of commercials during the big game. What? Get that big stuff out of here. 20 million more wings. So if that was dollar, $20 million gets you two minutes. That's a $10 million per minute. So if you're looking to sponsor the Barbecue Central show, we are way less than $10 million a minute. And target market, target market. Hit me up if you're interested. Way less than $10 million a minute. Now, if you're looking to choose sides, I got you. More than half, almost 60% of U.S. adults who eat chicken wings say they typically like to eat their wings with ranch dressing, according to a National Chicken Council poll conducted in January of 2017. Ranch is number one. Sauce typically eaten with wings, and its popularity has been growing steadily up from 51% in 2014 and 56% in 2015. Only one-third, 33%, like to eat their wings with blue cheese dressing. What? That's a travesty. Get that big stuff out of here. Here's the full rankings. Number one, ranch. Number two, which is a tie, buffalo and or hot sauce. Number three, well, I guess would be number four, honey mustard. Number five, blue cheese. Number six, teriyaki sauce. Number seven, sriracha, not sriracha. And bringing it up in the end, nothing. I eat them naked. Now, here's what I have to say. You like ranch dressing. Okay, that's fine. Do whatever you want. If you're going to put buffalo-style sauce, hot sauce, on your chicken wings, how can you eat anything other than blue cheese on it? Ranch. Get out of here. Ranch. I think one of the guys on Best Barbecue Show is all over ranch. I'm like, nope. Chicken wings, buffalo chicken wings require blue cheese. 
Actually, I think the other the other guy that I called uh, Yanni on accident is a Blue Cheese fan. I might have those guys mixed up, and I'll, I might have to be doing another apology next week. But I believe uh, not Yanni, but Yoni is the big Blue Cheese fan, if I'm not mistaken. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills, makers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Number of different models to choose from. If you want something big to cook a lot of food in because you have a big family, you love to entertain, the Jimbui is the one you want to take a look at. Uh, all of these cookers, Wi-Fi enabled if you want to use it. Or you can opt to not get Wi-Fi if you want, but everybody loves technology these days. Then you have the Daniel Boone, middle of the road. The Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie also are able to accommodate that high heat pizza insert, which I was doing the pizzas on this past Sunday, taking all those pictures of. So if that interested you and you follow me on social media, you're going to want to get the Daniel Boone or the Jim Bowie. And then I think it's like 130 bucks or something like that for the pizza insert. You got to get, well, it'll be the best 130 bucks you spend in your life, in your life. Watch out. Oh, totally blew that. Then you have the Davy Crockett, right? That is the take it wherever you want to go and cook model. Here it is. Warming my hands up over the fire. You can run it on an inverter if you want. Take it with you on camping, plug it into your van or truck or car, fire it up, and away you go. Just got to make sure you have pellets. Green Mountain Grills can supply you with pellets as well. So it's a perfect one-stop shop in that regard. Again, the high heat pizza insert. If you want to cook smoke roast as i say can reach temperatures up to 500 degrees you can cook burgers and steaks and chicken and all that other stuff but you can do the traditional low and slow barbecue as well and all these cookers and with that davy crockett you're not sacrificing capacity for portability you can still get two maybe even three pork butts if you tp them there in the middle greenmountaingrills.com that's greenmountaingrills.com we are back with brad leiniger the KCBS Team of the Year in Pork. Getting based, it's Pitmaster. Stick around, be right back. giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue a man actually named meathead the author of a barbecue bible bloggers reviewers competitors and manufacturers by the dozens it's the barbecue central show once again here's your host greg rempe all right welcome back this portion of the show being brought to you by smithfield champion pitmasters are winning with smithfield you can commit you can, too. Commit to cooking with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season. You'll receive smoke and swag just for participating. Only a few requirements. Sign up and pay a $25 shipping fee. Be a member of one of the barbecue sports major sanctioning bodies. Be sure to come back and track your first place finishes in pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Walking with Smithfield incentive program. For more information, you can visit smokingwithsmithfield.com. Once you're a committed cook, go ahead and show Smithfield your pride by hashtagging show us your Smithfield on the Facebooks and on the Instagrams. Again, it's limited to 500 participants. 
So get committed and get cooking with Smithfield. All right, my first guest in the second hour has been one of the most dominant forces on the competition circuit here over the last handful of years this past season. His team won third overall KCBS Team of the Year and were the Team of the Year in the pork category. Here to talk about the 2017 season, what the 2018 season might hold. His take on the current state of competition barbecue is friend of this show. And the pitmaster of getting basted, Brad Leininger, joining me here on the show. Brad, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Greg? Absolutely fabulous, Brad. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. So, I guess let's start here first. Uh, recap the last 2017 season, and according to BarbecueData.com, you get in 43 or so contests, you win seven, you RGC six. I'm no mathematician, but that's right around a 30% clip or so of coming in first or second at a contest, so that's pretty awesome. How do you look back on 2017 from a competition perspective, and what are a few things that really made an impact or stand out to you and the team? Oh, I mean, we had a blast in 2017. Uh, started off slow. Uh, started off slow, really picked it up. I don't think we got our first win until uh, towards the end of April. So we really, uh, you know, re- really kind of eased our way into it. But once we got it going, uh, uh, it really settled in, had a good year. Uh, my favorite part of the season, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but, but Tim Shear and I were battling back and forth all year mm-hmm. uh, in pork. And, and it was one of the most fun. I mean, he'd go out, he'd win. I'd go out the next week, I'd win. And we were just back and forth, you know, talking trash, you know, like we always do, and just having a blast with it. And I think I ended up with 10 wins, and he ended up with nine wins. And uh, both of us, it was a shame that we both couldn't win it because we both had uh, uh, some of the best pork years ever. So that that's what really kept me energized going down the stretch. Is it fun to really go back and forth with, I mean, Tim is just a a great guy, good personality. He's obviously very invested in the sport as you are as well. And you guys know each other and you've been doing this time and time again for, you know, any number of years now. So to have that kind of camaraderie, uh, being able to smack it around a little bit and know there's not going to be any hard feelings, but literally you're winning and then he's winning and you're in first and he's in second, then he's in second, then you're in first. And uh, that really had to be an exciting year, as you said. Oh, it, it, and and he'll tell you the same thing. I think goal number one always going into the year is beat Tim. And usually if I take care of that, uh, uh, you're going to do something good. I, he's He's got me, I think, the last couple of years, last three years, actually, he's beat me by one spot in the overall uh, overall place. So it was nice to get him a port. But that's always, uh, you know, he's a, he's one of my best friends, but it's certainly, you know, I, I it's we enjoy beating each other as well. So it's it's definitely fun. It's fun cooking with people you like. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that I enjoy cooking with, cooking against, you know, cooking with Travis, cooking with Blaine. And, and they'll, every one of you, that, you know, the most fun is just beating up on each other and talking a little smack. So that it, it, that's just what it's all about. Brad Leininger from Getting Based to joining me here on the show. Brad, as I had mentioned a few minutes ago, this past season, third overall, you win pork. Last year, seventh overall in Team of the Year. In 2015, seventh overall in Team of the Year. We talk about consistency a lot on this show and with the pitmasters that I'm interviewing each and every Tuesday. So let's talk about consistency. Were there things as a team that you specifically focused on this year to try and give yourselves the best chance to compete at that highest level each time in? Yeah, I mean, I think 
consistency is the key. I mean, we focus coming into the, you know, I, I, a lot of times in the off season, I, I kind of focus on one knee and ribs last year, you know, I finished second in, in 2016 and ribs team of the year. It was really inconsistent category for me. It seems like it was a first or, you know, I was scoring a 180 or I was scoring a 165. And so one of the things I really worked on, I think the thing that, that bumped my season up was the fact that I went the majority of my uh, contests, I was above 170 in ribs. I think I went from, from May until the last contest in Las Vegas, I was not below a 170 in ribs. And that's the thing. You know, you just sit there and you look at your – and Barbecue Dad is a fantastic site, by the way. I don't know who puts that together, but, you know, you can look at that. And what you try to do is just get more points. Where can I get more points? You know, if I can get, get two or three more points here, three or four more points here <laughs> – I'm going to have a better year, and, and that's what I was able to do. I think I was able to up my scoring average by four or five points, and uh, and and of course, unfortunately, everybody else is getting better too. So you ha- you kind of have to keep that that intensity up, and you kind of have to keep that improvement up. But uh, yeah, just just always working on something, always looking to get better, and and you you've got to. Like I said, there's so many good cooks out there, and and barbecue really, I look at it like sales. I mean, I, you, just like you said, the percentage, you know, thirty percent or whatever the percentage is. You know, you go out there and everybody complains about the table of death or they complain about this or that. At the end of the day, your percentage is your percentage. And, and, and all you can do is go out there and put four meats on the table that can score. And when you have to put yourself in a position to win when the judges and the tables fall your way that day. Fred, you had mentioned a couple minutes ago that you love competing against those handful of people and perhaps even more that you see on that competition trail weekend in, weekend out. But holding that aside, in the end, when it comes down to getting basted, being crowned pork team of the year for KCBS in 2017, what does that win mean for you personally? What does it mean for the team? How do you see that? Well, I mean, you know, it's one of the goals we put out. You know, I mean, you know, right now, KCBS team of the year is, is, is definitely something that you set out. There's a lot of teams set out at the start of the year. And, and to be able to get that done uh, against competition like Travis and like Tim, it, it, I mean, it's, it's very special. I mean, both those guys had two of the best years that, that anybody's ever had barbecue. And to be able to go in there and sneak a category out from underneath those guys, it, it, it was very special. And, and, and honestly, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm extremely proud of it. It's probably my proudest accomplishment in barbecue to date is being able to get that done. Are you able to, to give us pork tips? Like, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of backyard guys and gals or people that just might be getting into a competition scene, whatever that means to them. From the guy that is on the top of the heap right now, what are some of the, the biggest high-level recommendations or tips that you can give us? Yeah, I mean, and you know, we cook hot and fast, and I think that's kind of the the predominant way to cook now. We're cooking on gateway drum smokers over open coals, and one of the things that we do is sit there and look at. You know, we we are we're almost grilling it. You know, we call it turn and burn. We're sitting there flipping that meat over, and we're sitting there looking for a good color. We're looking to get that. You know, we're almost. It's almost like the ribs where they kind of have the fat weeping on it. The pork will get the same way around that muddy muscle. You kind of get a little bit of that yellow liquid coming out, and we're looking for that. And that's when we'll wrap it up. And then after that, it's a tenderness game. I'm cooking Smithfield. I've been cooking Smithfield pork for oh the last four years, I think. And uh, uh, we cook extra tenders. And uh, I just it, it, just that particular combo. As soon as I mean, I had a terrible pork year before I switched to them. And as soon as I switched over there and started really paying attention and focusing on it, uh, the scores went up. So the main thing is get that good color, wrap it up in a flavorful liquid. Uh, we're using a liquid with predominantly uh, blue salt, Tennessee red in it, and then pull it at the right tenderness, which the way we're cooking it right now is the Muddy Muscles 205, 206 degrees, something like that. 
So it's pretty tender. I mean, it's holding together, but it's, it's on the tender end and then, and then finish it, you know, taste everything when you're, when you're, before you put it in the box, make sure it tastes good. But that's the main thing. Hit that tenderness. I mean, everybody will tell you, you know, the, the flavors with classes and everything that's on the internet, uh, the, the flavors have, are, have become a little bit homogenized, so to speak. But so it's become truly a meat contest. It's truly a tenderness contest now. When you talk about temperatures and, uh, of course, tenderness, I've, I've heard that being preached here for years and years. Of course, you can do all the flavor profiles you want, but if the tenderness isn't there, you're not going to score as good as everybody else's. Uh, are you a team that is solely money muscle, or have you evolved to include other parts of the shoulder as well in the turnins? Yeah, we turn in, you know, we turn in money muscle uh, for sure. And then there's another piece, uh, you know, that we turn in that's that's on the bottom part of the butt. And you, you, I don't know, I saw something on Facebook about it a couple months ago where the judges were talking about teams turning in bacon. Well, we, we call that the bacon. It's not really the bacon. It's, it's, it's the part that's up against the back. So, I mean, it's the, between two layers of fat. Uh, Memphis and May guys call it the ice cream, I believe. But it's just a really tender, good piece for pulled pork if you cook it right it can, it can get mushy so you have to be careful but we turn that in and and so generally if our box is right we're just going to turn in two types we're going to turn in money muscle we're going to turn in some pulled every now and then if, if i have just an insane money muscle and i have it it's really good i'll turn in some chunks for the money muscle as well for a third type mm. but uh it, it has to be really good before i do that generally i'm just turning in some pulled and i'm turning in sliced money muscle Brad Leininger joining me here on the show, talking about all things pork here. He's KCBS Team of the Year for pork in 2017. Just for a, a dichotomy, you hear all the time about this is what competition barbecue is. I would never cook it at home like that. Uh, same for you. Like, How much would your home pork differ from what you would turn in in a contest? I, I think I think if, you, if you're making those statements and you're doing that, I don't I don't think you're getting competition barbecue. To be honest with you, I mean competition barbecue is still good food. Good food wins, and and you know I kind of bet my livelihood on this. I mean one of the things we have a restaurant getting based in Branson, and and we do the same pork, you know, as close as we can get mass produced that I turn in 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 uh, competitions that we serve in the restaurant. So if you're not making good, if it's something that you're not going to want to sit down and eat, the judges aren't either. I mean, yeah, you may go ahead and hit it with a little bit more salt at the end or something to make it pop a little bit, but, but make something that's good. And, and, and you're, not, you're trying to make something that's down the middle. You know, you're not trying to make something that's, if it's so rich, you can't eat a lot of it, or if it's, if it's so sweet or so salt, or whatever it is, make good food. Good food wins. The judges want to eat good. So I, I think that, that, that that's a, a, personally, I think that's a common myth. I don't know. Maybe some guys win that way. But, I mean, I, obviously everything you do at home isn't going to win. But that doesn't mean that what you put in the box, you shouldn't be proud and wouldn't want to serve your family. What does 2018 competition season look like so far, Brett? I've done one and won one, so I'm pretty happy. One pork, too. So we went out to uh, Denver uh, to the, the, the stock show out there. And uh, I mean, it's beautiful weather, uh, you know, at 56 degrees out there. And uh, a lot of good cooks, you know, Big Papa Smokers, uh, Porky Busters right there next to us, uh, Travis. And we just had a blast cooking, and I think we all finished within two points of each other out of that thing. Uh, so it was really tight competition, and, and everybody cooked well, and I was lucky enough to come out on top with a pork win and, and, and overall GC. So uh, I'm gearing up to head to Humboldt, Texas this weekend. Mm -hmm. We fly out on Friday morning, and uh, that's one of the benefits of cooking on the cans. We've kind of got those things stashed everywhere, so we can just fly in, pick them up, and, and go cook. I'm actually borrowing, borrowing a friend's out there down there, another can guy that lives down in Houston going to 
loan me loan me four cans to cook on. So it, it, it's fun. I mean, we're we're hitting it running, and and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll hit it hard again this year. I I, I just you know. My family's enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. As long as, as, long as that's the case, we're going to keep running at it. All right, Brad. So let's go ahead and get after it a little bit here. You've seen and been a part of many posts recently that have been, uh, I don't know if critical is the right word, but let's say critical of how KCBS has handled some things recently. The most recent was that initial cut of team of the year payouts and then feeling blowback from social media, I'm sure phone calls, emails, and so forth, uh, they double back and pay out what the expected amounts were. Uh, you were a part of that team of the year, expecting one thing, not getting it. When did you find out about the short, and did you get any advance notice on it beforehand? No, I mean, I found out about it on the stage, you know, um, <laughs> sitting up there. And, and, and ever since I've been competing and, and, and uh I understood, you know, I've been told that these things aren't published. It is a year by year thing. So us expecting it might not have been the way to look at it. I mean, we, you know, for the last seven years, it had been exactly the same. And, and, and this year they, without publishing anything, uh, they've been run off the same sheet from 2012, I believe, or 2013 that they've done the payouts. You get up there and start looking at the check and I get my 14 of the year check and it's, it's half of what, uh, you know, what I was expecting. And so I got back and started looking through the other checks and sure enough, those were half of everything. And, and I think the main thing is, it's just, you know, that, that we had a problem with and Travis will, you know, probably told you the same thing. It's, it's just the way it was done. You know, uh, obviously they knew people were going to get upset about it. We just felt a little misled about it. Some people probably wouldn't have gone to the banquet, obviously, if we would have known. And we think, uh, you know, a lot of people think that the reason it was held back is, is because they knew it would hit the banquet. And, and so they were just, they knew there was going to be a storm, you know, a, a shit storm, so to speak, if I could say that. Yep. At some point, they decided to have that storm after the banquet, and and I think that was a conscious decision, and and we were critical of them, and and you know they turned around and and, and they listened, and uh, um, you know they decided to make it right, and 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 I want it to be known. I mean, I'm not here to bash the board. I mean, you know, they're doing this for the same reason that we're doing this. They love barbecue, they love competition barbecue. They're volunteers. It's it's a thankless job. Um, and, and they're running a a 1.5 you know million dollar uh, business. And, you know, and, and I just, I just don't think they're putting themselves in a very good situation and they just didn't think it through this time, but, but to their credit, they made it right. And, and, uh, hopefully they're going to publish what the 2018 payouts are, uh, here sooner rather than later. And, and we can just move on. Brett, I'd asked Travis a couple weeks ago, this question, and there didn't really seem to be too much warrior concern, but once you start seeing the reaction on halvesies on the team of the year payouts and so forth, all of a sudden it seemed to become uh, relevant and people starting asking that question over and over again. And that is the financial fitness of KCBS as an organization. Do you have any type of a take on that or any concern that that's not being managed properly? Well, I mean, I think there's a concern. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, for my take, and again, this is my take, I, I sure. you know, someone from the board might be able to come on. and, and No, they and won't come on. It. You know they won't come on. <laughs> well, I'll give, give them an opportunity. But uh, <laughs> the, I think that, the, you know, they lost some sponsors, I think, you know, in the MMA shakeup. And, and so I'm guessing that in years past, be it Sam's Club or somebody had put up the, the 50, you know, $55,000 or whatever it was that went to the team of the year, and, and that sponsor ha- has gone away. And so I don't know that there's any impending financial doom at KCBS. I think they're bringing enough money in. I mean, you know, you can do the math. They've got 20,000 members, you know, that are paying, 
you know, however much money apiece. I mean, you know, they're bringing some money in. They're bringing money in from sanctioning contests. Are they, you know, so, you know, they've got that building, you know, that's always the concern, uh, you know, but, it, you know, if they get that rented out, it'll be fine. So I don't know if, if I would sit there and say that there's a, a, a financial, you know, crisis in KCS. Do they not have enough money to do some of the things that I wish that they would do? Yeah, I mean, that's clearly the case. I mean, I think a lot of us top teams wish that they would support us and, and, and market us and, 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 and pay out a little bit more for team of the year. But, I mean, we got to understand, too, that it's a, it's a big, diverse organization. And, and, yeah, a lot of us at the top want to get a little bit more money for that. But, I mean, the, the vast majority of their membership doesn't really care about team of the year. So they, they did the thing that was – you know, just just like most politicians, the easiest thing to do, and that was that was to cut that out. <laughs> and you know, whether that was the right decision, I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, I think everything. You know, I think supporting guys like Travis and 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 Tim and you, you. know making them marketable, me and making making us marketable will actually float everybody and make competition barbecue more popular. Uh, you know, I think there's several ways to get around it, but you know, I, I again on the financial state of it, I would say they're probably okay. I don't I don't think there's anything to worry too much about. Brad, just in your opinion, would an installation of, let's say, a CEO or a, or a high-level executive and cutting out the number of board members be a potential solution? Maybe keeping, let's say, five board members around, but having that CEO person there to steer the ship, make decisions without having to go through some kind of a vote each and every time, especially if there's an easy fix for something or a known decision that could be made that would really just benefit not only KCBS as an organization, but the membership as well. Yeah, no, I think that's clearly what needs to happen. I mean, and, and, you know, and it's going to cost some money, but they need to get somebody in. I think, you know, getting somebody in, paying them and, and coming in to lead the, lead the direct, you know, have some vision and, and, and lead the organization uh, would benefit everybody and let the board act like a board, you know, and, and the board turns over. That's another thing. I mean, yep. you know, what did we get? Six, six new board members this year. So now everybody's coming in January. We're starting with new ideas, new this, new that. I mean, yeah, you've got to have some continuity there. So they, 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 they absolutely need to bring somebody in to, to lead KCBS into the future. And, you know, I, I've cooked other sanctioning body. KCBS is the best sanctioning body. It is the best scoring, but it does have problems and they do need a leader to, to pull them through this time. So absolutely, I think that needs to get done. Brad Leiniger is the 2017 KCBS Pork Team of the Year. He is getting ready to hit it again in 2018. Already got a win under his belt. Brad, always appreciate the time and the candor. Continued success, and we'll talk again soon. Hey, I appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. You got it. There he is, Brad Leiniger. Not disappointing, as always. That was excellent. Thank you for doing that, Brad. Hey, here's Facebook. No, that's not Facebook, but this is. Tammy and Brian love the shirt, Greg. Smitty will be in Denver next weekend at Proud Souls Barbecue Provisions. He'll be putting on a rib class with proceeds going to charity. All right. Love that. I like this shirt, by the way. Doug Durda weighing in on the chicken wing talk. While I love the ranch anything... But blue cheese is unacceptable with buffalo. Unacceptable? You're unacceptable, Doug. Go back to Pittsburgh. Well, that's not the right thing there. Here we go. If I could see around that, I got to reconfigure my desk so I can see. All right, that was Brad Leininger, gettingbasted.com, G-E-T-T-I-N, gettingbasted.com. Let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack, manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers. 
with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard and the competition circuit and a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering smoke and grilling 101s, a video cooking classroom. You can check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champs because they were designed by a champion at Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Slow and low, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. What if you like electric smokers? No problem. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. That's right, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website, cookshack.com. Jay Tinney to talk about the San Antonio win this past weekend. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. The segment being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi or cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via the Bluetooth. The red, white, and blue hoo-hoo-toot. Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting Fireboard.com. That's Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Good folks over at Fireboard. Helping me close it down tonight, a pitmaster who just earned his first GC of his cooking career and did it at one of the most prestigious contests. Not only in Texas, but across the country. Here to recap the re <laughs> here to recap the big weekend. From Tinny Barbecue is Jay Tinny. This recording you may hang up or press one for more options. One for more options. Jay. This is Greg at Barbecue Central. I'm calling you right back. I hope I got the right number. We've had such a good time already here. Uh Oh, okay. Here we go. Joining me now is the pit master Hello? of Tinny Barbecue, Jay Tinny. Jay, how are you, buddy? Hey, good. How's it going? <laughs> good. How are you? Oh, we're doing well. Well, I appreciate you making time to join me here, Jay. Certainly, big weekend this past. Congrats, obviously, in order not only uh, breaking the maiden at the San Antonio uh, barbecue cook-off. I mean, that's certainly a contest that you would want to win before you put out the fire for good anyway. But before we break that event down, do you mind giving us a little bit of background on you, where you live, and how you got in this whole competition scene? Well, I live in Austin, Texas. And, uh, oh, I guess it was probably about 13 years ago, I was heading out to this giant antique show with uh, one of my best friends from high school. And 
we're driving out there. It's about 50 miles outside of Austin, and, you know, didn't have an a offset pit or any type of real smoker at the time. We'd always use Weber's, and, you know, we're driving by, and we see this little town right before Roundtop, and they have this uh, this guy's on the side of the road selling this uh, trailered little uh, offset, and, you know, he had 450 and on, so we went over to the impact machine and, you know, pulled out some money and, and brought him 400 bucks. He said, I'll take it. I'm done for the day, and we drug that on to meet up with my family and go mess around and then shop some antiques and then took it home and used that for a few years and, and uh, went out to, to try our hand at the Austin Rodeo. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, where the big corporate teams are and you got to serve the public. And we had our hands full, believe it or not. And uh, one of the big teams took notice how hard we were working. They said, hey, guys, why don't y'all just join us next year? So we did and, you know, you know, did the competition now at the Rodeo Austin for – you know, uh, uh, ten plus years with uh, multiple teams, and and uh, the rest is kind of history. Now I'm, you know, doing it under my team name. Jay, what are you using for cookers out there? Do you have multiple units? Do you cook different meat on different cookers? Or are you just a, a one brand kind of guy? No, I'm a multiple brand kind of guy. I've got everything from my giant Southern Pride for catering to, you know, uh, you know, to a backyard jambo, which I, I cooked the, the brisket on partially. You know, at the San Antonio contest, finished it off on a Traeger. Uh, you know, I've got uh, barrel trash can smokers, you know, multiple, three three different Webers. So uh, I like a variety of pits. All right, so let me pick your brain on the brisket procedure there. You started off in the Jambo, and then you finish it in the Traeger. What's the mindset there? You know, just uh, wanted to put a, uh, you know, a little bit of clean smoke on it at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I, I typically don't sauce, you know, so I'll, I'll say one of one of the things I did, you know, and I tried my hand at sauce and, and uh, just a light sauce. And, and uh, that seemed to obviously be what the judges like to bubble it up out of 300 plus teams up to first place brisket. So. Jay, are you a team that is heavily sponsored or is this just more of a a uh, uh, hobby for you that you have some money to invest or burn and instead of cars it's barbecue no i am uh, pretty heavily sponsored on the product side you know not monetarily but uh uh you know definitely you know lots of lots of folks from you know from creekstone farms briskets and head country and cutco knives and b&b charcoal and you know lots of local uh local ones as well but i i about um i spent 16 years in high tech business with dell and vmware and uh finally decided after kind of a tragedy in the neighborhood there was a flood that happened and you know a lot of lives were lost here out in Wimberley, texas and just kind of went what am i doing sitting in this desk job let's break free and spend our lives savings so i put a about a hundred thousand into an intech uh, trailer and you know outfitted it up to, to feed a couple thousand or fifty people so we've got a real high-end uh, fun catering trailer and, and we add in all those different grills and into our arsenal so so you are really living the barbecue lifestyle not only are you competing but uh you're doing the vending and the catering thing to make the money yes sir wow. living the dreams you know trying to trying to stay out of that i decided to make that change at 50 years old which was pretty <laughs> shocking but uh you know a lot of support from the community and the neighborhood and friends family and you know everybody uh you know i think uh kind of aspires to try to do what they you know love to do you know you just kind of get caught in a rut sometimes in life and i went ahead and just stepped out and and doing it so we're ha- having a good time hoping we can we can do it for a long time to come and enjoying the dream so far jay tenney joining me here on the show from tenney barbecue jay have you competed in the san antonio uh, i'm sorry the uh, yeah the san antonio um barbecue cook-off before 
I have. I did. Uh, uh, I did compete uh, by myself in 2015 and uh, pulled out a. You know, it was the first time there and pulled out a sixth place uh, chicken. And then last year, I just kind of uh, helped a buddy of mine, Carlo Casanova from KG Cookers. I helped him uh, just kind of cook. He ran everything, ran his recipes and stuff. So can't take credit for any of that, but I uh, enjoyed still being there. But it's a great contest and close to Austin and obviously one of the major cities here. So it's a really, really fun, uh, fun deal they're putting on down there. All right, so let's take a look back at the weekend, Jay, just from a high level how do you or when do you load in for that event and uh, how does the weekend unfold for you are you also doing the invitational part the day before or is it just the open like what's your deal no i didn't do the potty chase and stuff just because i don't i don't compete enough to 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 accumulate enough points you know i'm pretty busy these days doing the caters catering so uh i typically you know i'm doing anywhere from three to six six cook-offs a year you know, picking and picking and choosing the fun ones and the big ones, and and uh, last year I only up only being able to do two. So, um, so uh, you know, kind of getting into the rodeo. I, uh, Twisted X Brewing Company sponsored me and paid the entry and and uh, supplied some great craft beer. And so in trade, I said, hey, I'll cook for some of your HEB, you know, executives and and everything, which is a local uh, giant grocery store down here out of San Antonio. And uh, so I put on a little fajita dinner for them Friday night, and then. And then uh, wore myself out and got ready to stay up, stay up late and get up early and <laughs> and get that brisket on. So we had we had our plate full. I was like a one arm wallpaper hanger. So, <laughs> so the San Antonio barbecue cookoff is a sanctioned event, IBCA. So are you doing uh, all three categories then in order to to be able to qualify for an overall championship? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm doing that and. Yeah, it's the largest sanctioned uh, cook-off in Texas these days. So, um, so yeah, you have to definitely do all all three meets here to to qualify to to get the points. So, um, ended up being just the the final ticket of, of the night. You know, was enough to 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 win it. It was just such a stacked field that uh, you know just the final brisket calls what what took it and took the grand championship. What kind of a flavor profile are you running? And uh, it seems that from my conversations that I have with the pitmasters down in Texas, it steers away a little bit from, let's say, the sweet flavor profile. Is it still kind of savory and, and some heat down there? Yeah, you, you're pretty much dead on. Yeah, I, I, I switched recently uh, right at the end of the year. You know, I told myself, hey, I've been running the same stuff for years and years, and I'm getting away from the sweet, and I went more of a, you know, a salty, savory, you know, fresh, you know, medium, you know, medium to light grind, you know, pepper and, and, uh, you know, just something, you know, kind of, kind of middle of the road, nothing overpowering, you know, one way or the other, just something that would be good in the box sitting up there an hour and a half on final table. You know, Texas uh, judging doesn't flow as fast, you know, as say a KCBS. So, uh, you know, that product's got to taste good cold up there. And uh, that's kind of what I went after. So is that how you're practicing when you're trying to get those flavor profiles set when you're doing it at home or whatever? Do you uh, flavor profile to lukewarm to cool meat? It sounds weird yeah, to say. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I always will will we'll taste it, you know, uh, uh, from the initial bite and see, you know, what it, what it tastes like, you know, even an hour later, just to find out, you know, if it's sitting there at one of these giant contests, what's what's it going to taste like at that point? So I think that's uh, that's key to to success. What kind of a, a meat guy are you, Jay? In other words, 
are you Wagyu and, and Duroc and higher-end meat, or are you more of a commodity mindset? <laughs> On the brisket, I, I'm definitely a prime and Wagyu guy for sure. I think that just makes a, a huge difference, you know, because I typically only do the bigger contest, so I think you've got to have that kind of meat for it to bubble up to the, you know, the final table. It's, I mean, if you got a Wagyu sitting against, a, you know, a choice, you know, I mean, I think most people are going to point at the Wagyu and go, that's a better brisket and score it higher for sure. As you had mentioned, you know, this and is – and... go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was saying that the smaller cook-offs – you know, it may be a little too weird of a profile, you know. I mean, you, you go out in some of the outlying hill country here in Texas, and, you know, they're not used to a Wagyu, so they're going to put that in their mouth probably and go, what is that? So you just, you know, we just kind of be cognizant of, of what area, we're, you know, we're in. As you had mentioned a couple minutes ago, Jay, this is the largest sanctioned IBCA event. So uh, for those that don't know, you get tickets, and as they're calling out overall, they're basically just calling out a number and then you look at your ticket, and it's kind of like winning the lottery in some respect, I guess, right? Yeah, it's pretty much uh, like like yelling bingo. And it was funny because, you know, I, you know, you, you beat yourself up. I mean, I thought I had a good brisket, but I didn't think I had a championship brisket just based on what I'm looking for. And, you know, you always got to think, what are the judges looking for, not what I'm looking for. So when they called that number, I was kind of sitting there. I had them fanned out, and I was sitting there with a crowd of folks, and, you know, and, and they kind of called it again. I thought, all right, I'm looking. I didn't have my glasses on, and I'm I'm looking. I made the walk of shame one time, and <laughs> didn't have the right number, so I wasn't going to do that again. <laughs> you can ask Big Mo Kason. He laughed his ass off on that. It was pretty funny. I got some good eye fives on that. But, uh, uh, but uh, so, you know, some guys could tell I was starting to look at it, and then they have a giant screen next to the stage. And there's several thousand people at awards, you know, and, and uh, I'm looking at it, and I've got it up you know, kind of by the screen. I'm squinting and looking at a couple guys, look over my shoulder, Carlo and those guys, and they're like, oh, my God, you know. And <laughs> I, I mean, I still looked at it again. I just, I, you know, I waited minutes before I took off on that. I was still nervous to hand it over to the head uh, judge, uh, Karen Sherry, up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, it, uh, she ended up having a match, and the rest is history, so. Jay, it had to be an extra special moment. Certainly, you want that first grand championship in, in any contest that you're entering, right? But to get it at this kind of contest, you might have picked off one of the best, you know, like right off the bat to win at. I mean, that had to be extra special, not only to get the first GC, but to win the San Antonio. Yeah, that's where it really... Uh... It's starting to sink in, you know, and, and uh, you know, just like, you know, being on your show, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, the phone's been ringing and so many congratulations from friends and, you know, such a special stage to do it on in one of the major cities in the U.S. and the largest sanctioned cook-off. And just, you know, I mean, every hitter in Texas, every hitter's there. I mean, there's so many great cooks in this in this state, you know, it's just such a privilege to to be able to bubble up to the top and, and, and win one finally in that, in that grand of a stage, so. Pretty, pretty excited and humbled to to get that to get that award there. So it was very, very, very special to me. I'll be take that one to the grave, you know. Jay was being at the Royal last year and kind of hanging with Fred and and Ernest and Carlo. Does that when you're around those guys, even if you're just kind of helping out, does that help build your competition IQ to, and it helps lead to get to this GC eventually? 
Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, obviously those guys, and I'm, you know, you don't ask, hey, what are you running, you know, but you just, you know, you, you will pick up a little trick here and there or something. Oh, wow, God, I've never done that. Let me try that, you know. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I think you never quit learning because it seems like, uh, at least in Texas, profiles can, can change based on a season or a year. And, you know, and, and you got to be cognizant of that and remember what hits in certain areas. And, you know, definitely those guys are all just, you know, awesome, awesome cooks, way above my level. And, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, good friends and, and love hanging out with them. And, and uh, you know, they're awesome cooks, and you can learn a lot from those type of guys. So, um, you know, really enjoyed uh, doing that and seeing Fred hit a perfect, perfect uh, 180, you know, on that brisket. I, I didn't even know what a perfect, perfect was, and I came off the stage, and, and old Frank Boyer's a, a photographer was sitting next to me, and I leaned over, and I'm like, what's a perfect, perfect, you know? And he explained you know what that is where they you know don't drop that last score even you know they they they, they love it so that was that was pretty special to be around that and be a part of that team to, to to experience that that was that was pretty neat jay let's look ahead to 2018 uh, obviously aside from this past weekend what does that competition schedule look like for you at this point well um you know i got uh, a lot of free entries into some big cook-offs. Uh, uh, one of them, I think, is coming up smoking on the Rio down in Mercedes, Texas. And, you know, that's where all the Fred Robles and, you know, some heavy hitters all are down in that area. You know, Arnie Segovia, a lot of, a lot of guys that can uh, really cook. So, you know, I'm very interested to start looking at the calendar to, you know, pick up on some of those that I've got free entries in. And then Austin Rodeo is right around the corner. And uh, I'm going to uh, join a, a big team here called Texas Smoke'em. I've been asked to, to be their, their head competition cook on that. So it's a bunch of friends and did everything that I hang out with. So that'll be a good time. And, uh, um, you know, we'll start looking at uh, down the line. I've, you know, obviously got into uh, Houston Rodeo for 2019. You know, J.D. Henley, who won it uh, uh, last year from Buckshot Cookers, you probably know, is mm-hmm. is doing it this year. So pretty excited to get back in that champion circle. Me and Ernest and uh, Matt Barber out of Florida. And Carlo Casanova did it for KG Cookers last year. So um, that was fun. I'd like to get back there. That's a really neat contest there. So. Jay, does winning this event and then going into that next cookoff put any pressure on you, or do you think that you will uh, unknowingly have that mark on your back that people are going to be gunning for the guy that won the San Antonio barbecue cookoff? Oh, I, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be in the back. I mean, you know. Some people beat themselves up over it. Now, for me, you know, I'm there to have fun and uh, and, and cook hard and everything, too, and, and have a great time. But I won't put any extra pressure. It's almost like deer hunting your whole life and waiting on that giant buck to step out, and you finally got him. It's like you can you can breathe a little bit, you know. And, and uh, it'll probably uh, – I think it may even help me. It'll, it'll probably make me a little less stressful. And uh, you can ask a lot of my friends like Joey Smith from Joe's Cook Shack. They call me the hardest working – man and barbecue because i don't do 30 40 a year like they do i'll do the three or four a year so i'm just making laps around my pit you know <laughs> they sit over in their chairs drinking their beer laughing and watching me just run in circles like the energizer bunny so maybe that'll take some of that pressure off and i'll be able to sit down and have a beer with them occasionally in between turn-ins <laughs> do you do other sanctioning bodies besides ibca or are you just pretty much a ibca guy you know, pretty much uh, IBCA and, uh, you know, there's another sanctioned body here, Lone Star, but I mainly moved to IBCA. Uh, that's where a lot of the bigger contests, and it's just, uh, it seems like a better, well-run 
you know, organization body. And uh, I like doing the KCBS. I'd like to do more. Uh, you know, I've just done a few with uh, with Carlo and the KG Cookers and stuff. So, you know, I'd like to do more. May may do some more. He's got a new trailer built. I might do some traveling with him and get out in the, in the field and do some of those. He's Jay Tenney. He is the pitmaster of Tenney Barbecue and won the San Antonio Barbecue Cook-Off this past weekend. Jay, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for doing it, and congratulations on that win. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. You got it. There he is, Jay Tenney. Your San Antonio Barbecue Cook-Off Grand Champion, by the way. There were a lot of people racing around uh, that weekend. I was watching... Some live feeds that the guy owes, uh, that the guys over at uh, Best Barbecue Show were doing. They uh, chased over there, and I think they actually traced, uh, uh, tracked down uh, Texas correspondent of the show, Doug Scheiding. Rumor has it that they may or may not have also gotten with one of my favorite Texas cooks, CJ Clarence Joseph from Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue. I don't think that video is available anymore, but. I think they were out there kind of hitting up some of the, the bigger names out there. Let me tell you, a lot of people were writing in and asking me about the uh, left ear recovery. And I think by and large, you know, everything is good. You know, the hearing is still eh, not great. It's probably better than it was. But what is really annoying over the last couple of weeks, and I'm hoping against hope, that it is just the healing process is that even like right now as I am talking, it sounds remember back in 1990 when bass was real popular and everybody's playing like dj magic mike and all that meanwhile i'm playing this in my toyota celica gts because this was my jam absolutely santa santorini by yanni but you would blow speakers right especially the the tweeters and stuff like this and i'm not talking about the social media website the tweeters but like the actual speakers so that's what it sounds like right now in my ear. So it's kind of annoying. But, you know, just the talking or listening to certain frequencies, it makes it sound like that speaker in my ear is popped. So I might have to call the doctor on that. Nevertheless. All right, let's make tracks to get the hell out. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Travis McGee from M Grills. Again, the website, mgrills.com. If you want to, even if you're not in the market, if you just want to feast your eyes on some sexy-ass cookers, mgrills.com is the place to go to satisfy that. Then at 9.35, we talked to Tim Shaw from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Masters in May sold out. Golden Ribbon is on its way to selling out here over the next 10, 15 days. Maybe 20. Maybe. Death's Door, still a lot of spots open, but those fill up quickly. Again, 48 teams only. Then we moved to the second hour where we talked with Brad Leininger getting basted about 2017, pork team of the year, what he's doing this year. We talked about some KCBS issues as well. And then we finished it out with Jay Tinney from Tinney Barbecue winning the San Antonio Barbecue Cook-Off. All right, that's going to do it. Big show planned for next Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Eat all of your 1.35 billion chicken wings that you have coming your way over the weekend. Call your shot on social media. Post it on my show page. We'll see who's right. First one to come up with the right team. I'll try and send out a prize. We'll see how that goes. 
Uh, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>